According to Digital Undivided, Latinx are the second largest population in the United States. In 2001, Latinx founders made up 6.5% of all founders, while in 2019, they grew to 15%, making theirs the fastest growing demographic launching companies. Hey, it's Coach Colette. And as we are in the midst of Hispanic Heritage Month, I can't think of a better time to share this Coach Chat episode with my friend and licensed spiritual therapist, Christine Gutierrez. She and I are kindred spirits, fellow healers, and wellness advocates for people of color. I love this quote that she shares in the episode, so you'll have to tune in to hear it all. As we embrace our body, we are also embracing the divine. So in this episode, you'll hear all about her Diosa philosophy, which aligns so well with my start within philosophy of finding strength and wisdom from within yourself and using yourself to channel in wisdom from higher realms. You'll also hear us talk about what it means to be a healer of color in these times. And yeah, we do dip into cultural appropriation and lack of representation in the industry. So basically, you just need to buckle up, get ready, and listen up to this episode of Coach Chat with Christine Gutierrez. I am Coach Colette and am very excited for this episode of Coach Chat. I have my friend Christine Gutierrez, who is the author of I Am Diosa, A Journey to Healing Deep, Loving Yourself, and Coming Back Home to Soul, which just sounds really, really juicy. So I'm excited to talk to her about that. And also the fact that she is joining this podcast from Puerto Rico. So welcome, Christine. Thank you so much for having me. How are you today? I'm excited today. Not every day is like that. Some days are really rough, especially with everything going on with COVID and just the uncertainty of the world. But right now in this moment, I feel excited to be talking to you, to be um, able to talk about my book. And also, um, I did something very small that made me happy right before the call. I did a, I made a little tiny like bath salt kit with like flowers that I ordered and uh, Himalayan salts. And I never do things like that. So it, that gave me a little extra boost. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. And we'll talk about healing and all of those wonderful things since we're both healers and coaches. But my first question is, I want to know, what is Diosa? Diosa is the Spanish word for goddess. And really, you know, what I like to say about the, the word Diosa and what it means to me, for me personally, when I went on this path of spirituality and I found the divine feminine, one of the, the things that made me feel really confident was knowing that there was a feminine face of God. You know, because I, I grew up Catholic and while there was Mother Mary, Mary Magdalene was depicted in a really negative light. When I was able to finally connect to that 
word diosa goddess i was able to really remember that i am part of the mother i am part of the divine and that really was a powerful moment for me and really became the basis of all of the work that i do with the diosa community and i am diosa and it's really about embracing the feminine and that's for everyone although my main demographic is women particularly women of color it's for anyone that finds it whether it's you know a man a transgender straight by it doesn't matter and i say that because it's important for people to know and i even tell them in the book like you can cross out any pronouns you make this book your own i'm speaking specifically to anyone that finds and resonates with the word diosa and and usually people when they come across this work they know it in their body and and then they start to make sense of it as they learn more about it so it really changed my life understanding that there was a divine feminine and and really connecting to this power of this work really changed my life and and really began to change the lives of the clients that I got to work with that's fantastic and you answered what was going to be my next question which was does she exist within all of us so like the answer is yes Yes, absolutely. And, and again, I think that that's so important for us to own because we live in a world where we, you know, we have so many labels. And while, yes, you know, those help us in certain ways, we also want to pay mind to the fact that, you know, this goes beyond the traditional ideas of what gender is. This is not like the feminine where she belongs to just one person or one thing. The mother, la diosa, belongs to everyone. And so embracing that part of us and that connection to us is available to anyone. I have a lot of my guy friends that, you know, were like, I ordered, I am Diosa, I'm ready, you know? And I love it because um, what it shows, first of all, a lot of my Latino male and, and, and men of color that first of all, they just have my back and they want to support me. But second of all, that they are willing to say, like, I want to learn about this. I want to learn what this woman has to say, because I know that I can learn something from it personally, but maybe also for the people in their lives. And so it's so beautiful to see that and so powerful to, to know that we're changing out of those kind of old school beliefs of what is, you know, normal, because it doesn't exist anymore. And so I'm really, I'm really excited about that. So you shared a little bit about your journey, and I would love for you to take us back a little bit further and talk about what led you to explore this concept of Diosa and then bring it to all of us through your community and through your book. I think that before even the concept of Diosa came was first that like seed of desire to just help people that were suffering And I often tell people, um, you know, like in any interview I do or anything that I share, I try to bring it back to like the core, which was as a little girl, I always felt this immense connection to human suffering and wanting to alleviate it in whatever way I could. And, you know, I was very emotional as a child. I'm a Scorpio, Latina, born and raised in Brooklyn and then in Queens and all of this kind of parts of me really connected me to the spiritual realm, I think. And you know, I remember being a little girl and walking down the streets of Bushwick and, and begging my mom to speak to homeless people and ask them their story and what happened to them and, and wanting to give them love and purposefully making eye contact with people that maybe smelled bad on the train, people that maybe didn't, that I knew intuitively weren't dangerous but were homeless. And my mother, um, something really beautiful that she did was she would always walk around with like bananas in her bag and she would 
you know, have, have me give food instead of money um, to people and sometimes some change or whatever we had. But it was like that feeling of like, I want to make suffering stop. I want to know people's story. I want to help heal and speak up for people that were marginalized and that maybe were unseen in society or kind of pushed away. And so that desire in me never went away. And, you know, I, I did grow up Catholic and that's kind of impacted my kind of connection to spirituality. Although I didn't resonate with this kind of dogmatic view, even as a child, I was always getting in trouble, always in trouble in school because I was like, well, what if you were born in a different country? And, you know, and you don't know about the word Jesus, but you know another name for the word God, but you're still a good person, you know? I don't believe that in my God would be judgmental. So I was very angry at the fact that they were saying that, you know, you would only be saved if you were X, Y, Z. I had a deep anger towards it at a young age. And I was very vocal about my feelings about that. And so again, <laughs> I remember going on like a mini strike in my bedroom when I was in grammar school where I wouldn't do the Our Father. I would only do Hail Marys because... I wanted to give more love to like the women <laughs> in my only context of spirituality. And so all of those moments, I feel like led me to, you know, ultimately finding that connection to the divine feminine. And so on that path, you know, from childhood into my teens and into my undergrad, where I got to study psychology and philosophy, and then I went on to do my master's all throughout that time, I was on a personal discovery to to connect to those interests that I had as a little girl and wanting to explore and deepen my spiritual connection and, and heal myself because I went through so much trauma that while my heart was bleeding for the world, I also was emotionally bleeding inside myself. And so it was like this simultaneous need to heal the world and also myself. That's amazing. And I feel like we've talked about this already that we are kindred spirits. And I think that sense of wanting to heal others stemming from your own personal journey is so compelling. And so how do we embrace and embody Diosa? I think the first thing is to embrace our humanity, which might sound, you know, kind of counterintuitive, but with so much of like this pop psychology or like whitewashed spirituality, there's this disconnect from the body. And I think in order to embrace la diosa, the feminine, it's a coming home to our, our body and our physicality and remembering that as we embrace our humanity, we're also embracing the divine. That it's not about escaping, it's about coming deeper and deeper into our bones. And you know, part of my path in spirituality was also uh, tantra and specifically shaktiism, which is all about embracing the feminine and awakening the feminine in our bodies and seeing the body as not a hindrance to achieving spirituality or having, you know, this kind of spiritual aha moments, but actually that the body becomes a pathway to the divine. And so I would say that the first thing is embracing, you know, our shadows, our, our, our life stories, our culture, literally every single part of you in this physical presence that makes you, you, because it's there that we can get still enough to know and embrace and hear kind of the whispers of our soul and hear the connection to La Diosa. 
Absolutely. And I think it's interesting. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, how this time of, you know, the global pandemic and racial unrest here in the U.S. and around the world, do you think that this is giving us that opportunity to do some of that inner reflection? Yes, I do. And I think that for the ones that actually care, you know, because there will be people that care and people that don't care. And I think it's important to, to say that, you know, like not everyone gives a shit. You know, I pray and hope that we understand now more than ever that we can't be truly spiritual unless we're engaged in the world and seeing the suffering that already exists. And that goes back to my prior feeling around, you know, in order to connect to, the, to La Diosa, in order to connect to the soul, that you must be connected to your physical body. And in the same way, we must be connected to the physical body of the world, which means being real about the suffering that exists and not spiritually bypassing around it. And that does give us an opportunity for those of us that care, right? To be able to say, how can I use this as an opportunity to give back even more, to wake up internally and also to simultaneously attend to the wounds of the world. So for me, I think that they go hand in hand. You know, I've never wanted to be a healer just to only heal myself, who's also to heal the suffering in the world. And, and so we have to keep that in perspective because, you know, one thing I always say is like, we can't be one until we're truly all one. So unless, you know, people are really being treated the same, which we know that black bodied people are not being treated the same and haven't, this is not new, you know, this, this, this is not like, a, oh, oh, now that social media, no, this has been going on. But because I'm a white presenting Latina, I haven't personally experienced that because, you know, maybe someone else that's listening, maybe they haven't personally experienced that. But if you listen to the stories of taking, for example, the racial conversation of being a black person in the United States and in many other places, but specifically in the United States, what that experience has been like and, and saying, what is spirituality if not speaking up on those that are not safe in their own body, right? And so using whatever we can, whatever privilege we have to be able to uplift voices that need it, conversations that need it. And I do feel like the more we get connected to our bodies, the more we get connected to our spirituality, then we can do the real spiritual work, which creates true unity. You know, so many people, it's so funny, are so scared about being like, you know, the, all the people that are like, fearful of putting and they put all lives matter instead of black lives matter they're like but all lives matter and it's like yeah duh and right now right now we're talking about this <laughs> and so this kind of concept that people can't grasp that the more we heal and the more we elevate the real wounds of society and we focus on them and we target them we all benefit you know there's so much opportunity right now to, to deepen kind of why we originally became healers. Yes, I agree. I feel like I have definitely doubled down on my mission around helping black and brown women and others to heal. Definitely 2020 has been that shift. And also, I don't know about for you, for me, I felt like it's given me the permission to also be public about it not just, oh, I knew in my heart this is what I wanted to do, but now like changing the language on the website and doing these things publicly to make that public stand. I don't know what your experience has been like that. Yeah, that makes me want to cry because it's like, 
to be given permission for you to say something that you secretly talked about with your homegirls or homeboys behind, you know, closed doors, right? Like the, the sadness maybe that we felt in being excluded or the feeling of something not being truly diverse or truly honoring our medicine and being able to vocalize that without feeling the fear of being rejected by the white gaze, you know, or whatever that looked like, you know, even for me. And that's why I always say, I can't imagine, right? And I don't wanna, I, I'm not gonna pretend to imagine what that would feel like for someone else in a darker body. Because even me being a Latina white presenting woman, I felt so weird being in these mostly white spaces. And I remember telling people, you know, my girls, like, damn, like, I don't feel good. I feel like, you know, a lot of times they'll take my, my, you know, advice, but then they won't put me on their platform. They won't put me on their conference or they won't pay me or they won't do the things that they do for the other people, but they'll come to me secretly for advice when they really want to share their deep, deep, dark, dirty shit. Then they feel safe to come to me because they know I'm not judgmental because they know that I'm going to hold them and hold space for all of them, but they won't like publicize me. And so all of those pieces, you're absolutely right. Like it almost took away that embarrassment that secretly I was feeling that I don't even realize, I didn't even realize how deep it was. And I remember it was a couple of years back and Tatiana had posted something about a conference being, you know, talking about the divine feminine, but they, they had like literally no representation. And she kind of kicked off this conversation, Tatiana Delapiani, for those of you that don't know her. And then I posted something and someone wrote, this white woman wrote, who are your top inspirations or something like that? Um, next level inspiration. And I wrote down like a couple of my colleagues and I tagged Tatiana and I tagged some other women of color. Actually, they were all women of color. And I talked about my mom or my grandmother. I forget exactly, but it was basically something like that. And she said, no, I mean your next level inspirations. I'm like, excuse me, bitch. What? What did you say? You asked a question, you didn't give parameters and that's my next level inspiration. Again, the assumption, right? That numbers or that like, what were you expecting me to say, Oprah? Were you expecting me to say only, you know, the main popular people that you know of? Like what defines next level for you? You didn't give parameters, so I responded. And so it, it really created this whole conversation. And I was like, this is my next level people that I look up to, you know? And if that doesn't fit into your mold, you know, where is your mold coming from and what's impacting that? And so that really was the first time that I spoke up about something that I was feeling inside. And you hit it on the nail, like being given permission to vocalize everything you've been feeling, like what a healing moment, because so many of us felt like we were being gaslit about our experience and that we were being too much or angry or dramatic. And I do think that there's a way to go about things. And I, and I'm not going to judge someone for their, their feelings, right? Like if someone wants to get mad, if someone wants to get pissed, if someone like we all have the right to express ourselves because this has been going on for far too long. So I'm happy that we're getting this opportunity. Like this is only the beginning and it's long overdue. Wow, that's amazing. I totally remember that Facebook exchange and love Tati as well. And I think that it was so key at the time having the conversation. And it's always interesting how people respond when someone points out something, right? It's another form of a microaggression. And I've been in that situation too, where the attention is, is more focused on my response as opposed to, like in your case, the question or the post or the lack thereof or the lack of representation. And that is 
the challenge that we bear then to be able to share and express our thoughts, feelings, and reactions in an authentic way without the label and the backlash coming back at us. And I know we wanted to talk about this, so that's an amazing segue to talk about what are your thoughts on this representation in the wellness industry for healers of color? I feel like up until recently, there wasn't enough diversity at all. I don't think that there was a, as much representation. I, I, I talk about like, I would go to the bookstore and like, thank God for the few people that I found at the time that were women of color, mostly black women that I got to find as power of examples, but there were very few Latinx, Latino, Latina authors in the spiritual, specifically spiritual wellness, personal development genre in the mainstream, right? Is we're not talking about people that were publishing their own books. I mean, in the mainstream, in the spotlight, very few. And so I thought that that was really strange considering that we have so much spiritual medicine being that so much of the work that it influences so much of modern spirituality comes from these, you know, Taino, Latino, African cultures. And so it made me feel really bad, you know, like going through the bookstores and not seeing that. And I clung to what I could and I used what I could to find inspiration. And I knew that part of my work wasn't, I've always geared my work towards, you know, mostly Latinx and women of color has always been my demographic since the beginning. But I knew that beyond the, the, the body of my work and my teachings as a therapist, as a healer, was that being a representation for this conversation and being a Latinx author and being able to help other people of color be able to get their books out there and get their messages out there would eventually be part of my mission because I didn't see it. And thank God there's so many people that are changing that like this is changing and I hope it continues to change so that we have a beautiful representation of all the different cultures that we can learn from and honor because I really believe that we are meant to learn from one another and it can't be done if they're not different faces or different stories or different textures of our culture out there and I think my friend Robin Moreno said this that you know we can't be what you can't see, like representation really matters. I'm so grateful to the people that are out there that are, are changing this. And, you know, for anyone that's listening to this, know that, you know, your voice matters and it's really needed right now, especially um, any POC people that are listening because it hasn't been the case. And imagining someone picking up your book or picking up your you know, signing up to your workshop and being like, I resonate with her story. Like, we really need that. Yes. And then connected to that, because as you mentioned, it's not the dearth of the spiritual medicine or the practices. How have you seen appropriation happening in our industry? Yeah. Like, you know, I have complex views on this subject. Like, I believe that there is a way, right? Because I've learned from for example, Tantra, my, my late teacher, Salma Zador, taught me a lot. She learned from her teacher, from Guruji, who's an Indian man. And she always mentioned him and she always honored him. And she gave back to the people in India when she was working there and honored the lineage and the culture. I do believe that there's a way to do it of integrity and being able to learn from lineages, paying your respect, giving back, caring about those people, understanding the history, the story, 
and also making it your own. I do believe that there's a possibility, but here's the problem is that there's a lot of appropriation that does happen. And what ends up happening is that there's not a balance yet because there was so much appropriation happening and so much lack of attention to cultural sensitivity. I believe that we are at a crossroads right now where we're starting to really come to a point where we're seeing that there is a way to do this with integrity, that there can be a cultural appreciation without cultural appropriation. And it's something that, you know, for example, my husband talks a lot to people about when they come to Puerto Rico for like tax breaks, because we have a very complicated history with the United States, um, to say the least. And so, you know, it's something that he tries to tell people that there are good people that come and that they're able to do their work here and feel a soul call to come here, but understand the place that you're coming to, respect its people, understand their needs. And, and a lot of people don't do that. And so I think that that's key when you're learning um, from any different culture. I believe that we just have to pay honor, respect, and learn and be curious so that we can properly do it with reverence to that specific cultural medicine. Right, exactly. I was an English major in college, so I always, the shorthand that I often say is cite your sources, right? Like how you would in the bibliography of a paper that you would write. And I love what you're saying about paying homage. Although it's interesting if we track back to what you said about the comment where the person was like, I'm asking for next level inspiration, right? Then there's a sense of, are people valuing certain I wouldn't even say it's the methods. It's, it's almost like, are they valuing the person who's presenting it to the world more than others? Yeah, I think that there is a, a bigger emphasis on the worldly things, like, you know, things that shouldn't matter when you're talking about spiritual medicine, but that do and that have overshadowed the really important things. So, for example, people focusing on numbers over someone's actual work. Do numbers matter in our world? Okay, maybe for certain things, but should they matter more than the actual work? No. And so I think that that's where people get in trouble is falling kind of into this trap of believing that there's certain kinds of quote unquote success. And what is that success based on? Is that a colonized version of success? Or is this a version of success that really honors different cultures? One of my teachers um, from Tantra, from the Sri Vidya path, I call her Ama, uh, Venu, she does not have a massive following. She is a, she would never want me to call her a guru, but she's kind of like a guru, you know? <laughs> but her medicine speaks for itself. And how can you not honor someone like that? For me, it, it makes sense because my body just knows when someone is a master at what they do. But unfortunately, again, because of this kind of very uh, superficial world, they started to value other things that didn't have a place. And so I think that it's important for us to keep our, our values on the soul and to really look at the person's heart, their medicine, their stories, and really treat people the way they deserve and not to get caught in the glitz and glamour because all of that doesn't matter. Right. So by numbers, you mean like how many Instagram followers or YouTube views that someone has? Exactly. And the worldly ideas of success, because that doesn't matter when it comes to the, the space of soul. Is there a, a crossroads when you're building your business as an entrepreneur that you want to build? Yeah, in the traditional sense, but that's only one way. There's many people that are very successful without that. And I just think that there's just been too much focus on that. And again, it's about coming back into that more of a state of a balance. 
You mentioned we've been talking about systemic issues and, and you mentioned the word colonization, which leads me to ask for your thoughts on wellness, healing, circles, programs focused solely on black and brown people. Because I feel like this, sometimes there's a backlash around that. What, is, what are your thoughts on that? I love it. I think it's important for people to feel safe in community. I don't believe that um, it's excluding. This is in response to years of feeling ostracized and put down and you know killed and not feeling safe. And so I believe that we need spaces to be with people that really can identify with your story and that you're not having to worry about someone else's experience. And I'm all for it. You know, I, I think that we as a society get nervous and we, oh no, like, you know, people are like, oh, this is reverse racism or all these kind of things, which for me doesn't exist, you know, because we're talking about systemic issues and when you really speak to someone that is creating those spaces, usually they will tell you like, I'm doing this because I need to feel safe right now. This is not about excluding someone else. It's actually on the contrary. It's just to feel safe so that they can heal in a way without having to worry about someone else's experiences, which usually end up overclouding what that person actually even came to heal. And so I believe it's imperative for us to have these places and spaces, you know, I, Personally, the way I express my language is usually this is for everyone, but this is most, you know, I'm, I gear towards Latinx, uh, Black, Indigenous, POC. And of course, me being a Latina woman, I end up attracting more um, Latino people, but I have a mixture of all, which I'm really grateful for. There's some times where it's a specific, this is only for. And I've seen a lot of beautiful spaces that have emerged from that. And I support anyone that needs that. And, and I encourage anyone that feels that they need to do that to do that for themselves. Everyone's gonna have their own path, but I, I absolutely believe that we have the right to choose that for ourselves. So what do you think of the episode so far? What are your main takeaways? Before we jump into the next segment, I have a question for you. How are you dealing with the uncertainty that this pandemic is creating? The thing is, we all have different responses to trauma. Do you tend to fight or get angry? Flight or run away? Or freeze? Get stuck? We're all being impacted by this situation in different ways. The goal is to recognize how you respond, find healthy ways to release your anxiety, so you can take steps to thrive once all of this subsides. It is possible when you start within, and I would like to help you to do it. You can visit my website, startwithincoaching.com and at the top click start here to schedule your complimentary activation call. We can talk about what's going on in your life right now, how you are in your mental health and well-being, and where you would like to be when this all ends. So go to startwithincoaching.com 
and click start here to start your journey within. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit and bring it in word for yourself. And given that you are doing all of this amazing healing work, how do you practice self-care and self-nourishment? For me now, it's been a mixture. I, I feel like I go through waves of moments where it's like much more nourishing, much more self-care. And then I go through waves where it's like just trying to find the time to go in, like especially with COVID and just like real life issues. Like for example, you know, having to get a new roof and, you know, really dealing with the time constraints of figuring things out. So self-care becomes those tiny moments where it's a prayer. It's a moment where I get to tune into one of my other amazing soul sisters work and show up for their webinars right now because everything's digital and just taking that hour for myself. I also am sober. So I go to digital AA meetings. I started a group called Sober Curious here in Puerto Rico, which I lead and I have other people lead the calls as well. And it's a free and sometimes by donation. And then we end up donating the money, which is another place that I go to for support. Online therapy that I do for myself. What are some other ways? Just cooking and hanging out. And I never have watched anime in my life. So my husband watches anime and it's been like really relaxing. And there are certain kind of self-care things that come in and out of my life. Like one that I always do is this kind of connection to prayer and connecting to my soul. And for me, meditation looks a lot more dynamic where I'm doing mantras or I'm doing a breath work practice because I have a lot of energy. And so just sitting down in the kind of traditional meditation way doesn't really work for me, but moving my body or hearing a song and, and meditating in that way is a, a massive way that I connect to my spirit. But I do always have some kind of support system set up for myself, no matter what, because I'm the kind of person that I, I struggle a lot with anxiety. I struggle a lot with feeling overwhelmed. You know, I've gone through so much that even though I apply the tools, sometimes I just need extra. I just feel like I'm one of those people that will always need extra support. And I think that's okay. You know, it's just who I am. So I've, I've been really blessed with having beautiful therapists and mentors that I constantly turn to. I love that you're saying that because there is something and I, you know, I'm transparent on this podcast and have this weekly unplugged segment, trust me, where I tell on myself all the time, but <laughs> asking for help is one of those challenging things for me personally. So I'm really excited to hear you say that you have built this support team or team of champions around you. Oh yeah, I need it. I mean, I wouldn't be anything ever without that support. You know, I think, this idea of being strong has also been really warped. For me, it's about being real and about being honest about the fact that like I struggle and I need, and I need to know myself. And I think that when we do that, it's much easier to give ourselves permission to not be perfect, right? Because this idea of being happy all the time is a really toxic idea, I think, in my opinion. Also, my clients are not that kind of people because they've gone through so much that they have so many different things that are going on. And I'd rather people have just better tools in their toolkit and, and have systems in place for them to 
be able to get that support and let them be who they are and yes, get healthier, but how can we get healthier without support, you know, and having, having sisterhood, having community is such a massive part of my work and, you know, having friends that you could be real with and be like, damn, I'm really, I'm really down or like, I just got into this fight or this argument, like help me out, help me see my point. Like people that you can, like you said, tell on yourself and tell those deep, dark, shadowy parts of yourself without judgment. For me, that's a huge part of how I keep saying and how, like they say in AA, your secret, your secrets make you sick. So having people that you can safely share things to, um, I think is huge. Exactly. Yeah. I was curious to ask you how, as an author, as a coach, as a healer, how do you balance that line of being vulnerable and then keeping, you know, yourself, yourself in a way? I mean, I don't know if I balance it, but I definitely feel like I don't know how to not share what I'm going through, but I also feel like I think that there is a way to do it that makes you feel safe. Like, for example, it is very individual. There's some people that don't want to share things publicly, and I don't think that that's wrong. I think that, you know, we've been trained to think that we have to share everything online and we have to, you know, especially in this coaching world. And I, I don't think that that's the case. I think that as long as you personally have a place to share, right. And in my more intimate circles with my Diosa community or my one-on-one clients, if it's appropriate to bringing up things that might help someone, I think is important, but there's some things that I just keep between me and my therapist. There's some things I just keep between me and my, my home girls, my, you know, my best friends, my, my girls that have been with me for 20 years. There's some things that I just tell my husband. So if it feels appropriate, I'll share it. And if it doesn't, I don't. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's uh, Brene Brown that has that, has said that thought around people earning the right to hear your story. I love that. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, in sharing too much, you're not ready to, you know, you need to give yourself that space to really work through things and, and give yourself that, that internal time to nurture whatever it is you're going through. So I, I love that. You have to earn, earn that. Well, I'm glad that our listeners have earned the right to hear you today, which is amazing. One of the questions that I ask all of my guests is what does start within mean to you? For me, start within means to look within kind of the internal landscape of you and look at the parts of yourself that need love, that need nurturing, that need your attention, that you can love up and get support loving up because it's often in those places that we have to return to time and time again to to be able to, to nurture ourselves. At least that's been my experience. And so starting within is looking at all of those places within ourselves. And in some ways, looking at them perhaps with compassion, right? Because I know I, I have been that person where I can be my own harshest critic, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that how do I shift the lens so that it's, okay, that happened, but not like wanting to take myself down. Absolutely. And I think especially for people that have gone through either abuse or being around someone that's really hard on them, they can sometimes take on that kind of dialogue with their inner child or themselves. And so learning how to be compassionate is a huge part of, you know, reparenting ourselves in healthier ways and being like, listen, like that, it's normal that we have that voice because maybe we heard it externally a lot. 
And so being compassionate with ourselves when it comes up and, and being like, okay, like you have gone through a lot and it's okay to be harsh on yourself sometimes. I remember having one of my, my girlfriends tell me like, damn, like you are so mean to yourself sometimes, right? Like how hard are you? Like you're so hard on yourself. Like be a little bit more forgiving. And I remember being like, you're right. Like I would be forgiving to someone else, but why am I not being forgiving to myself? Why am I, if I'm willing to change, then why beat myself up about it? And so sometimes being compassionate, even in how you approach yourself and knowing that it's little by little, you know, like we are learning a whole new way of being with ourselves and with others. And it takes time. Some of us are more resistant than others. Like me, I've always learned the hard way. I hate it, but it's true, you know? So, well, that's what it is, you know? And, and again, knowing who you are alleviates a lot of it because you're just like, listen, I always end up learning it, but sometimes I take a little bit longer than someone else. And that's okay too. Exactly. I'm laughing on the inside because I'm thinking, yeah, exactly. If, if you listen the first time, but now I guess it took the third or fourth or 20th time to actually get the message. And, and that being okay, right? Not having that, I cut, like that self-swipe where it's like, you know, like take yeah, down. Some, some areas are really easy for us and then other areas are not, you know, some areas are really easy for me and others are not. And it's frustrating and it's okay to be frustrated. I get frustrated too. It's like, it's annoying, you know, like when I'm having conversations with my best friends, we're annoyed sometimes. We're like, oh my God, life, oh, we got to do this again. Oh, but it's important to express that frustration because it's honest, you know, and I think really as we express more about what we're actually feeling, we get closer to actually healing it for sure. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Is there a compassionate mantra or message that La Diosa would share with us in this time? Yeah, so one little thing that I love telling my clients, and they've told me that they, they often repeat this to themselves, is something that I say, baby girl, you're doing a great job. Baby girl, you're doing a great job. And sometimes a great job is waking up and brushing your teeth in the morning. Sometimes a great job is letting yourself cry because you've been holding strong for too long. But baby girl, you're doing a great job. And repeating that to yourself and starting to build that loving voice. And sometimes that voice starts off as being, you know, my voice sharing that to my client and then eventually becomes their own voice. Yes. When you said that, it just, it just melts me. I could feel that. And there is that sense of emotion that rises, right? Because when you hear that, it immediately takes you to that place of feeling like, yes, I am. And yet I've been struggling or I've been denying or like all the things that whatever you're going through in that moment, like that's what I felt when you said that. It was almost like this like, Ah, like a sigh. And then the, the tenderness, I guess, is what really comes up when you said it. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's, that's a goodie. I think we're all going to re rewind and <laughs> play this podcast over just for, that little, just for that little bit. So how can our listeners learn more about you, your book, your Diosa tribe? Yeah. So you can go wherever books are sold. And on my website, iamdiosabook.com is dedicated just to the book. You get all these bonuses. And I'm really active on social media, on Instagram in particular. I love it. So Cosmic Christine there. And for all the rest of the things in my work, you can just go to christineg.tv. 
I love it. Yes, you are active. And I think maybe we need to do another show on like the business side of this. But I felt like yeah. that this conversation needed to be about the healing journey. Um, I would love that. Yeah, I think it's, and it's important, I think, speaking about representation, right? That aspect of how are we bringing our voices and our stories to the, the wider world in, a, in an authentic way, which I think you've absolutely done. So thank you, Christine, or Cosmic Christine. Thank you <laughs> for sharing your insights and healing journey with us. Thank you so much for your medicine, for your time, for this space, for this community. I'm really grateful. Absolutely. And maybe can you share that message for us one more time as we close out? Baby girl, you're doing a great job. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode and haven't already subscribed, you can do so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. You also can connect with me on Instagram at coach underscore Colette for more inspiration on personal growth and wellness. Stay tuned for another episode of Coach Chat and get ready to start within to finish strong.